Humorously, I was looking at a post by J.K. Rowling. I don't know if you guys are aware of what's going on with her, but she's engaged in this battle in the U.K. Basically, she came out on a conservative side in regards to gender. You know, what is a man? What is a woman? And uh, she's been attacked on on all sides, uh, in the fantasy community especially, and... um, Anyways, I got to say, first of all, um, I probably fall on her side in terms of what she believes in. However, I am not in agreement with her battle that she is waging on social media. And um, I feel like she is not changing hearts. Let's just say that. Moving on, she had this post and she was quoting Johns Hopkins definition of being gay and it said it wasn't a noun and I had to politely disagree with Johns Hopkins University's dictionary definition of the word gay because in the Philippines it is used as a noun. Often people are referred to as a gay or the gay. In fact, my wife uh, will announce to me at times when I connect with her on social media because we're living in different countries at this point. And she'll be like, I'm out with the gays or uh, he's a gay or she's a gay. Anyway, so Johns Hopkins University, you are wrong. Welcome back, everyone, to my TCK podcast, where we answer the ridiculous questions like, where are you from? Are you gay? <laughs> welcome. Welcome to my Gay Pride Month special edition. And depending on the listener, you may be pleased with the rainbow array I have going on here uh, or a bit mystified or maybe even disgusted. Uh, We have a variety of listeners here uh, that have varying views on gender, sexuality, homosexuality, etc. Yes, I do understand that potentially on here, I might be turning heads or sending people packing forever never to listen to me again. But I can assure you that this edition, this rainbow edition, may be the most important episode thus far. And possibly you may walk away with a different perspective on the issue and on human relationships in general. So please, stay tuned, be patient. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know I can't stop talking about my book. In my book, I do have a chapter dedicated to the relationships that I built uh, with the community of people uh, that fit into this spectrum. And I I talk a little bit about it here. Uh, But for the rest of it, please, uh, buy my book, If you haven't already signed up, you can go to my website, uh, www.sullyworks.com. It's in the show notes. And if you sign up this week, you can be a part of 
giving me feedback on my cover, the cover of the book. So please sign up for that if you're interested. But let me tell you a little bit about what is in the book. So I joined the United States Navy in 1999 during the Clinton administration, at the very end, in fact. And when he came into office in 1992, he enacted what was called the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy that allowed gay, and I'm going to use the Johns Hopkins Dictionary word of the day, and uh, the reason for that is I really hate the LGBTQI word that everybody seems to be using. Guys, let's be honest here. It sounds like a sci-fi thriller organization fighting a zombie apocalypse, not describing a group of people. And um, I just don't feel it's respectful, even though it's the one that they use. So anyway, that's just my perspective. So I'm going to use the word gay, and it is accepted. And Johns Hopkins University approves that I can use the word gay uh, to refer to the general community as a whole. Okay. So if you were gay in the military, you were now allowed to serve under the don't ask, don't tell policy, but you weren't allowed to talk about it. And people were not allowed to ask you about it. I find in 2023 post Me Too, it's a bit bizarre to think that we had a society with rules that said don't talk about sex with other adults. That's strange. Um, this was about the time that Ellen DeGeneres was coming out as gay. Uh, it was a really big deal in the United States uh, at that time. There was a lot of coming out. President Barack Obama would repeal the don't ask, don't tell policy 12 years later, about the time that I was leaving the military. In my book, I tell some revealing stories about the challenges of being gay in the military um, and my relationships that I built with those folks. This was quite significant considering my background. You see, I came from an extremely conservative Christian background that interpreted our spiritual text to read that sodomy was the worst possible sin, or at least somewhere on the top, and that sexual relationships among the same sex were grossly forbidden uh, among many things. But apparently, this didn't inform my understanding of people's need for relationship or connection, thankfully. And that's what I had with them. I know their stories because they had a sense that I loved them for who they were, that I had their best interest in mind. That was in 1999. Let's fast forward a bit to 2016-ish or thereabouts. I was married to my super and lovely wife, Jen Sullivan. I love you, Jen Sullivan, to the moon. My wife was trying to finish her college education at the time, and we had a multitude of gay students, men. My wife seemed to have an affinity with gay men and never really got along with gay women, lesbians. And I sometimes accuse her jokingly was that because she was one. <laughs> There's only room for one lesbian. I don't know. I Anyway, fast forward to her becoming a fairly prominent and popular comedian and a show host for Rich Affairs. Uh, what's unusual about my wife in this industry is that almost all of her peers that are prominent, funny show hosts, they are all mostly gay men. Most of her friends in the wedding industry especially are trans women or gay men. I had the privilege of meeting many of them. My wife and I talk extensively about their personal lives. She earned their trust, companionship, and they opened up. Both of us know so much about them. So much, in fact, that we know that the activism in America, in the West, 
the LGBT activism in America perpetuates complete fiction. And this ongoing suggestion by the Medical Association in America and this whole trans kid phenomenon is really doesn't fit squarely with the intimate details that we know, uh, specifically, especially about trans people and the ones that have changed our lives and have become a part of it, thankfully. But unfortunately, as a devout Christian and a husband and father of four kids, I know very well from my own background that the religious arguments on the right or on the conservative side are also fear-mongering, homophobic, bullying, and full of lies about this rainbow community. And so we have a very unhealthy battle going on in America and the UK uh, that is polarizing. And of course, you guys all know the title of my book, Can We Love and Relate in a Polarized World? A ridiculously important topic. I'm wondering how many of you are like my wife and I? Uh, We are often not willing to take the stage in these debates because we feel that our words will be used by one side or the other to sling another ticking time bomb at the other. (laughs) We often keep silent because we don't want to see these beautiful people caught in the middle. We don't want to see our kids caught in the middle. We certainly want to see people befriend them and build relationships with them and engage them in real life and help them achieve the same goals that anyone would want to achieve peace, happiness, but most of all, feeling that agonizing loneliness that is universal to everyone. I will bless you with the story. It's about Susan and Allie. Susan was a talker. She wanted people to know that she went to school to learn genetics for five years, a bit of a know-it-all Gemini like myself. Her friend Allie was a super gentle and wonderful girl. She was a fairly large woman with unusual frame and broad shoulders. We were having coffee after a book club one night, and we got to talking about their upbringing. They talked about how unhappy their homes had been and how neither of them had met their parents' expectations on what a woman should be. Susan, notably, had grown up in an abusive relationship with her mom and went to a private Christian school or was homeschooled. I can't remember. Allie um, was chastised repeatedly for being large and not feminine enough compared to a man repeatedly, constantly picked on by her parents, making her feel ugly and unwanted. I'm not quite sure how, but the conversation veered towards that old nature versus nurture argument that maybe you guys are familiar with. I admitted to them that I don't believe that biology is the only factor in sexual orientation and that I find it hard to believe that the community is willing to forgo the obvious and that's our environment shapes our sexuality in many ways. Maybe not all, but in many ways. But for whatever reason, this brought on a visceral reaction from both young ladies. Allie eventually cried. Susan got very angry with me for daring to suggest or oppose what they felt was obvious. And my opinion seemed to conjure up the painfulness of their past lives. It seemed to suggest to them that they were at fault for the pain others had caused them. I could say, and possibly you could say, from the information I've given, that I wasn't linking the two, and I wasn't suggesting that they were at the helm when it came to the pain that was caused to them. They weren't responsible. But what I should have done was not argue with them. My stance, one that I still hold based on a ton of sources, 
the intimate and scary details. It's not worth defending over building a relationship with both Susan and Allie. Not at all. None of the experiences I talked about beforehand in the Navy and anywhere else dealing with anyone involved me standing around insisting I was right. They involved me loving and relating to folks despite not sharing the same views. I've spent lifetimes with young people in various corners of society, and all I want is to be a pillar and somebody reliable that they can trust, not like the adults that they continually describe to me in gross detail. And it is gross. It is terrible. And that's all that mattered that night, not winning a nature versus nurture argument. How I could fall for this, I'm not sure, because I certainly know better. And I really wish our society could get this in our heads. How is it that we spend an enormous amount of resources in fear of people instead of getting to know them? This applies to many, many more categories than just sexual orientation, race, culture, income brackets. I address as many as possible in my book because I've had the privilege of gaining intimate access to an incredible kaleidoscope of the human race, and I want you guys to see it as well. Unfortunately, here in Turkey, the current president went on to win another election. He's now been in power for over 20 years. And in his victory speech, he jeered at his opposition, calling them all homosexuals and vowed to defend the world from them. Vladimir Putin, the one with a lot of friends these days. Same message. The West, he says, is an assault on Russian and Christian values. That homosexuality is the reason to invade a country and kill and torture innocent people and lie about it. By the way, if that's Christian values, I'm no longer a Christian. Folks, no matter where you stand on the issue, ostracization, neglect, bullying should hurt us in our hearts. My personal faith and belief system calls me to have grace and love towards people and to go the extra mile for even those that I don't agree with. It is the story of the Good Samaritan. When folks asked Jesus who their neighbor was because in the Hebrew religion, in the Jewish religion, they believe that you need to love God and love your neighbor. And these were synonymously intertwined. So suddenly they asked Jesus, they're like, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to tell a story about a man uh, from the race of people that they hated most, uh, rescuing a Jewish person who had been robbed and beaten on the side of the road. I have a deep concern for a world that has patronized governing leaders that are attacking people that look and sound a lot like them and share a common history, but are being called gay and Nazi at the same time. That's crazy. People on the left in America are equally aloof. I had a lady last night barking about how terrible Christians were underneath a post by a Jewish man who made no mention of Christianity, but suggested that religious third spaces were a positive thing. And was just talking about how religious venues were positive third spaces in a society where places are getting scarce and kids' mental health is at risk. I wanted to ask her where the next generation was supposed to hang out. At the mall? Is that our only option these days? Have we become a society where our kids have the mall and video games as their only options? What kind of formation does that provide our society? I'm getting off topic, but uh, I can tell you... Um, 
that my son online in his discovery in the gaming community, there are tons of homophobic and racist people. And I know my son is going to have to sort that out. He's certainly not getting that from his parents. If you're a Christian listening to my podcast, you might be interested in reading my blog post about Leah Thomas, the trans woman college athlete from the University of Pennsylvania. I won't get into it on here, but feel free to read it. The link is in my show notes. If you're an armchair general Twitter poster and clearly on the left of the political spectrum, but are not immediately a part of the rainbow community or within arm's length of it, I encourage you to not be aloof and to stop pouring out useless vile and rhetoric towards your enemies and possibly try to understand their views. Also, please get to within arm's length and closer to know more about the rainbow community because maybe that would give you more perspective on where the conflict arises. Not all of us are bigots. Or in the words of the poster last night, hostile automatically if we don't subscribe to your views. Many, like my wife and I, remain silent because we don't need to pour out more contempt on hostile forces. It doesn't solve the problem. And we believe that only relationship and trust can push us beyond the unhealthy realm we have going on here. This creates healthy engagement, creates solutions in our schools. It sets up good role models for our kids as they decide on how to treat others that are different than them. This culture war in America, especially that pits drag queen story hour against fascism, doesn't describe the majority of Americans. In fact, it's mostly for entertainment and advertising dollars and for politicians to get reelected. It's killing our pluralism and our efforts to find common ground. This is eroding our safety and then add sophisticated deadly weapons to that equation. And sadly, yes, we get what we're seeing in the news every day. I thought the pandemic would bring Americans closer. And unfortunately, I feel like it's ushered in one of the most ugly chapters in our history. And I wonder what the outcome will be. And it leads me to write my book. It leads me to take a risk on this podcast to open up and talk about it. If you're a part of the rainbow community, and I know some of my listeners are, maybe you'd like to know an interesting fact. 13% of my listeners on Spotify identify as non-binary. I may oppose some of your views or lifestyle, etc. But know this, I'm not hostile. I want to know you. I'd love to get to know you, your community and give you the equal chance to sway my opinion. My validation of your thoughts, your values, who you are is important to me. That's how we all want to be treated and thus I should treat you that way. We can find common ground and celebrate each other in this society, that is possible. And I believe this creates safety. It gives people more courage to be themselves it provides more transparency and, in fact, may solve these bathroom and classroom issues we are all getting upset about. If you are on the homophobic side of the spectrum, you probably don't think you are. But you might find yourself far removed from this conversation. And if you're still here, um, great. I have something for you, too, as well. It's easy to make fun of and mock the folks in many of these persuasions. I have to 
challenge you to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen to you if you opened up and possibly had a conversation or a relationship with them? The gays, the rainbow folks, the folks that hijacked the rainbow and this podcast for 30 minutes. (laughs) I can personally attest to you that they are capable and thoughtful people and they can enrich your life if you let them. Ask yourself that if you're unwilling to budge in this regard, how might this hurt you in other areas of your life? This rigidity that you have may prevent you from growing and moving forward in general in other very crucial parts of your life. And don't miss out on that. One more thought here to circle back to TCKs before I let you guys go. I'm effeminate. From the way I move my hands to my constant tears and emotional and relational way I go about my life. In fact, my wife jokingly calls me her gay husband. My final thought is, why do we insist on painting people into unnecessary roles and corners in life? And I'm talking to everyone here. Do men have to be the strong, silent types to be men? Do women have to embody petiteness and grace? Do the gays have to stay gay or fit the awkward stereotypes constantly drawn up for them in Hollywood? No, I don't think they do. I don't think any of us do. We don't know how much damage we do by trying to cookie-cutter our kids or the next generation to a mold that suits our fears. If it's our fears talking, we are doing damage, folks. I guarantee you. I was abused as a child. It had a lasting impact on my life. Thankfully, my parents weren't the ones, and I credit them with much of my recovery. As a chameleon, as a TCK, we often try to conform to what is acceptable in the various places we are in. Our identities are weak. We don't even know what to call home when people ask us, where are you from? And there's a scene in the movie Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. I might be showing my age a bit here, but uh, where the bride, Julia Roberts, is portrayed as a very indecisive person, thus running off suddenly in the middle of her weddings. And she doesn't know what kind of eggs she likes. She constantly gets the same eggs to order as someone else that's with her. And in the movie, when she ran away from Richard Gere the first time, she spent some time trying to figure out what she wanted. You see her in the movie cooking eggs in different styles and tasting them to figure out her preferences, what she wanted. And I can relate to this so well. I remember being in therapy in Singapore back in 2010, sitting at a restaurant in the middle of town, writing down the things that I wanted. And this was an assignment given from my therapist. I grew up with such thin boundaries because of the bubble, the cultural bubble I grew up in. Many of us, I guarantee you, can empathize with many in the gay community that grew up being bullied, rejected, for being different and not fitting in, or not fitting the expectations of people that mattered most in our lives at that time. The reason why we have phrases like coming out of the closet or being on the down low it's because of the the obvious implications of it admitting you know what's going on and 
these folks have lived lives not being able to talk about what's going on in their minds and their bodies, and it's absolutely terrible. My wife relates so well with many in the gay community because she's estranged from her father. Her story overlaps with that because they were rejected by their dad or their family for being gay. So we don't have to be gay to empathize. We don't have to subscribe to Drag Queen Story Hour or even compromise our religious views to figure out that we all have very similar struggles and they overlap. My wife's example has purged what remaining homophobia I had. And the homophobia I had, I discovered, was just the fear of being called gay in a world that rejected them because of my graceful, girly wrists. I can't tell you enough how heartbreaking it was to watch my wife's longtime gay friend that she called sister get shot by the police because they thought he was his brother who was wanted dead or alive, a famous robbery in the Philippines. He was discarded. They put a gun in his hand and shot a bullet into the wall and lied and said he shot back first. And because of his sexual orientation and the fact that he wasn't from a rich family, there was very little public outcry, in a sense discredited because he was gay. To Susan and Allie, if you're listening, you know your names are not Susan and Allie. I love you. Forgive me, not for my opinion, but for failing to prioritize your safety and a sense of belonging and value. I'm hoping that my book and even this episode today gives me more chances to build bonds with you and others like you who have hijacked my birth month and this episode and the rainbow and the word gay. If you haven't yet subscribed or supported my book effort, I highly encourage you do. It's on my website. One more time, www.sullyworks.com. It's in the show notes. My story about Susan and Allie is in there, and it's just one story I tell. I talk about so many more directions and lifestyles and cultures in my book that have impacted my life. Those that sign up this week can give me feedback on my book cover that is in beta 2.5 stage. If you're artistically inclined, then I really want your opinion. That's all for now. In a few days, I will be releasing a special podcast duo. It is not only Gay Pride Month, but Immigrant Heritage Month. And we will be celebrating that with three children of immigrants. It will be awesome. Abby from Mexico, Lou from the great stateless Hmong nation in Southeast Asia, and B from Nigeria with a surprise co-host joining me. Take care, gays. I mean, guys, all of you. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>